Well, everyone, it's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Samalero, and we are just a few shopping days for Christmas. Here is a man I don't know what to get, so any help you have uh, that can kind of get me down the road of a nice Christmas gift for my partner, Kelly Grayson KG, Christmas time. You ready? No, I'm not ready. But if you're looking for for gift options, uh, you know, uh, Bass Pro Shops or similar gift cards are fine. Uh, Any other gift options uh, usually have to be transferred to a a federal firearms licensee. um, But hey, man, I'll 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 take cash and and convert that into ammo. uh, uh, So one of the uh, one of the things though is buying. Buying someone a weapon—that's personal. You don't—you don't buy anybody a weapon, do you? Oh no! If I tell you what weapon to buy me, you know, if I tell you what weapon to buy me, that—that's—that's that's fine. No, but you don't go. Yeah, you don't go buy somebody a, uh, a a weapon because that's a very personal thing. But if I say, "Hey, Chris, I would really like this nice Colt forty-five long Colt single-action army replica uh, with the stag grips." Um, yeah, go ahead and get it for me. Not a problem. Is that the is that the one you would want? Go to Gun, gun Broker or Bud's Gun Shop or, or someplace like that online. Here's my here's my FFL's license. <laughs> Send it to there. If is that the gun you would want? Is that Colt 45? Oh no, there's. I mean, yeah, that's one of them. That 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 would be just a toy. But uh, there there are several others. There are several others. It's you know, and the formula for for gun ownership for me is is if X equals the ideal number of guns and Y equals the number of guns that I own now for any given value of Y X equals plus one. (laughs) You always need more. Interesting. Interesting. You know, I was, I had this discussion with somebody the other day about carrying it. It it was a friend of mine. She's a female and uh, I mean, she's got a way, uh, maybe one thirty five foot five, five foot six. And she's carrying a 40, uh, caliber and all the time. I said, why the heck are you carrying a 40? She goes, I want to stop what I shoot at. And I said, but it's just so heavy. And she's like, you were just so old. And, uh, <laughs> it was just an interesting conversation, man, because, uh, it's just to me, I just don't carrying that around all day. I think it gives you the confidence that you have it, but man, I got a, I got a, I got a, a Smith and Wesson bodyguard five shot revolver that fits in my blue jeans pocket. That makes me happy. Mm-hmm. There you go. It doesn't so matter which one you carry, as long as you carry one and are comfortable with it. Or if you're uncomfortable with it, don't carry one. That's right. So, Personal choice. You know, Kelly, one of the things that I was thinking about today, uh, I posted on Facebook earlier today, was my favorite movie quote. And uh, I want to mm-hmm. pitch. I want to pitch this idea to you before we get into our topic. And remember, I mean, we're All just right. two paramedics sitting in the truck. You know, we have the Academy oh, yeah. Awards, and I would like to come up with the Grayson Award because I think that, you know, it would be a good award. And this would be <laughs> for movie scenes that would be equivalent to Academy Award. So the movie may not be good, but there's just this one scene in the movie that deserves the Academy Award or the Grayson Award. So, I mean, I think that there are the great movies that would, like, I'll give you an example. I don't know that Pulp Fiction deserves an Academy Award. But I think the living room scene with Jules, where he's eating the mm-hmm. big Kahuna burger, I think that would be an Academy Award or a Grayson Award uh, type of scene, right? So I just think we need to come up yeah. with something because there are great scenes out there in crappy movies that need to be recognized. 
Oh yeah, there there are uh, there are iconic scenes out there that should should get their own award, independent of the entire movie. Uh, I, I can't off the top of my head think of any uh, great scenes from bad movies. I'm sure there are some, but there are some scenes that stand out. One, you know, the, from Top Gun, the serenading scene in the bar uh, will always hold a, a near and dear place in my heart because the, I replicated that scene at the Crown Plaza that's Hotel. That's right, you did in Cromwell, Connecticut, and that's how I got Nancy to start dating me. I and the entire bar joined in singing it was just like the movie it was awesome man that would be my academy award for one of the best scenes in a in a movie or the in the movie bull durham where she says you know he where he believes in the in the hanging curveball good scotch good fight right so that's another good one bull durham oh yeah all right that's enough of that so anyway it's one of the best soliloquies ever it is it is it's an and it's an award-winning scene right yeah oh yeah yeah that's that's an iconic scene in a great movie all right, well, let's, um, Rose goes in the front, big guy. That's right. That's another. That's a movie quote. I would go into the quotes, but anyway. All right, well, let's get into the topic, Kelly. I'm going to let you uh, set it up for everybody. Well, we, we've got a as of Tuesday, the CDC uh, voted to give coronavirus vaccine priority first to healthcare workers and residents of long-term uh, care facilities as we're getting ready to roll out these initial doses uh, within the next week or so. Um, this is good news uh, in that they're prioritizing uh, EMS providers in this. But uh, one of the problems is, is in a number of states, uh, state bureaucracies are bumping EMS providers down that list. And that's something I think that we need to be aware of in our own states and and advocate for vociferously because I think uh, – uh, EMS workers should be, uh, if not at the top of the list, uh, very near the top of the list. What do you think, man? You know, I think that the, the this is a ridiculous conversation, you know, because here we have people who are making decisions for EMS and they're not considering what EMS does. You know, on the 26th of November, the AAA yeah. sent a letter to HHS to say, you know, EMS systems are taxed. And EMS systems are at their breaking point. The rubber band is pulled as as far as it can go. It can't be pulled any further, and it's going to break. And now when you dial 911, there may be a challenge with getting an EMS uh, uh, response to your home. Now, that is not necessarily because of folks being out on COVID. I was talking to the chief of an EMS agency. Um, They have 40 people that are out with the COVID. So that is a little bit of a challenge, but one of, one of the big things that the AAA was talking about in their letter to HHS was really funding. We, we, need, we need money to keep these yeah. agencies up and running. But to the question, when you dial 911 or when you're going to somebody's home to deliver the highest quality of patient care, when you have 40 paramedics that are short and you can't make that response, we need to be at the top of the list or... Don't complain if you don't get the resource when you dial the numbers. Yeah, and and you know you'd, you'd think that the the CDC has uh, the CDC recommendations would would be widely followed, but they're not binding, uh, and and state authorities can choose whether or not to follow that guidance. And as one thing has proven in the last six to eight months, uh, states following CDC guidelines is not necessarily a given. 
uh, as we've discovered throughout this entire pandemic. It is entirely politicized and uh, uh, fact and science has, has been thrown out the window. But it's incumbent upon us to be aware of, of the policymakers' decisions at our, our state and local levels and make sure that they are following those CDC recommendations and, and advocate uh, uh, vociferously uh, for our profession. Uh, the other thing that, that's kind of troublesome to me, Chris, is, is, you know, yes, the CDC says that we should be at the front of the line uh, among the, the, the number top tier priority for receiving the COVID-19 vaccines. But in, in one uh, uh, statement I read online the other day that about 30% of EMS professionals have stated that they don't want the vaccine. And that just kind of kind of boggles my mind that that we got as many as 30 percent of EMS professionals who, who do not want an available vaccine. Now, uh, many of them are probably, you know, well, this thing is brand new and it has been adequately tested. But, you know, um, it has been adequately tested. They've they've tested it on, on many thousands of people thus far. It's following all the FDA uh, uh, guidelines and the FDA requirements for uh, approval. Uh, they haven't circumvented the process, as Dr. Fauci pointed out on on a uh, uh, um, interview today. Uh, it's simply that that they have they have sped that process up. Uh, so I don't get why 30% of EMS professionals would not want this vaccine. Uh, I mean, maybe it makes you you know your babies be born with uh, with uh, no hair and and a hole in both ends, but um, I don't know that that's a bad thing either way. Um, but uh, the we, fact that we have the, an anti-vaxxer community in, uh, among EMS is, is worrisome. But uh, we need to be aware that, that just because the CDC says that we should be in the top tier, our state and local officials may not be following that. And we need to uh, bend their ear a little bit in that regard. Hey, let me ask you this question, Kelly, because I this, think this brings up a, a, a great uh, sure. topic of discussion that you talk about the anti-vaxxers are saying, I'm not getting it. As leaders in the organization, can we mandate it? Do we mandate that our people must get the vaccine? So I think that there's some challenge, you know, and I think the, I think that the, the, this whole vaccine discussion really got into the confidence of were we, were we rushing a vaccine to market and was it not going through the trials that it needed to and getting the FDA approval because uh, uh, politics was trying to push this thing as fast as it could. Is that the reason that people are going to be against it? Or the fact of any vaccine they're just against? But hence my question, as EMS leaders in the organization, uh, people are, are mandating the flu shot. Do we mandate this to our workforce? And what does that look like at the street level? Boy, you are posing a quandary for my little libertarian soul. Um, uh, the the words mandating just just resonate negatively with me anyway. You know, don't tell me what I have to do. However, this is a I think this is a different animal entirely than than uh, say mandating the hepatitis B vaccine. Uh, we we mandate that sort of thing. Uh, at EMS agencies, but there's also a waiver you can sign because hepatitis B is not something that is casually transmitted. Uh, 
so so we we can allow that sort of thing, even though it's not optimal. Uh, you're not likely to, to to be in the same patient compartment with someone uh, and just catch hepatitis B from just casual uh, uh, distance contact. On the other hand, with COVID-19, it's a different story altogether. So I don't know if the the virulence and the transmissibility of the disease trumps any any uh, uh, personal liberty uh, concerns that I might have, uh, but it's certainly a question that needs to be addressed. Um, at first glance, I would say that that if an agency has determined that the the this vaccine is necessary for the safety of their workforce and their continued operations, and you work for that agency, well, you have a choice. Uh, you can either not work for that agency, or you can apply. Uh, you can comply with their their uh, requirements and guidelines. Uh, that's part of the employment contract that all of us sign. It's a little bit problematic that that it may be implemented after the fact, after we've we've uh, um, gained employment at this agency, and it wasn't part of the original deal. But uh, I, I still think that um, you know uh, agencies probably have the upper hand in, in determining uh, whether to to mandate this or not. Uh, they're they're in a position of strength. And I don't know that it's a it's a bad thing. Uh, if Acadian were to tell me you must take this vaccine, I don't know that I would gripe too much about it. Are you the first one online when this vaccine comes out? Well, let me tell you, when when uh, emails come through our internet, it may take me two or three days to answer one, um, and, and I generally don't answer most of our surveys. Uh, but in this survey, I said yes immediately when I checked my company email and it said, uh, "Would you be willing to to take this vaccine?" It was like yes in my inbox for about eight minutes, and and uh, they had my reply. So yeah, I uh, hope so. When when they make the vaccine available, uh, I will be standing there uh, eagerly in the first of the line. Yeah, I think that I want to be in the first batch, but I think I want to see if anybody's head explodes. So I may want to be in the back of the line rather than being in the front <laughs> yeah. of the line. But, uh, you know, you always say, don't don't take it first, right? But, you know, there are a lot of people. I mean, when you think about it. Yeah, I don't want to be the first to adopt or the last to adopt. That's right. Um, but uh, I do want to see if anybody's eyes bulge out or their head explodes. So one of the things that I'm really um, comfortable with is I think that the FDA has had their, uh, you know, will give their approval and we need to be comfortable with that. You know, I think the past presidents, uh, President Bush, President Obama, President Clinton have said they'll line up and take the shot on TV uh, for confidence in that process. And I think that everything is trying to be developed that will uh, give people the confidence that this is an okay thing. And this is a scary time, right? I mean, we got a virus here that uh, is killing people, right? Well, the flu kills people, but... Uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit different, but, uh, yeah, we got to roll a dice sometimes and, and, uh, sometimes, uh, we got to see what it comes up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I applaud, uh, uh, our past presidents who were, who were stepping up to the plate and, and, and trying to demonstrate, uh, uh, this, the safety and efficacy of this vaccine and kind of inspire other people to take it. I think that's a, a good thing for them to do. Um, and, and, and I encourage it. I welcome it. Uh, I, I think that, you know, the fact that it has happened and, you know, say what you will about uh, Donald Trump. Uh, this is even his even his opponents uh, have, have said that he deserves credit for fast tracking the vaccine process. 
Um, so uh, uh, usually the, the log jam in developing things like this is, is money. And, and he was willing to throw money, uh, not his money, but the federal government's money at it. And, and that has sped up the process, as is pointed out by, by a number of people. It wasn't so much uh, the, um, uh, the log jam and such things is, is, is almost always funding. Uh, but uh, if the funding problem is, is solved, then, then things can move at, at pretty uh, breakneck uh, speed. We, we're incapable or we are capable of great things and great accomplishments uh, if you just throw the uh, the wallet at it, uh, and that's what happened in this case. So, uh, as Dr. Fauci stated, we, we haven't circumvented any FDA approval procedures. It's, uh, um, we've just been able to speed things up uh, by um, uh, greater funding, and Moderna and, and Pfizer have have responded, and, and hopefully, we'll be able to take those vaccines in the next week or two. Whether it's a whether it's a single shot or whether it's more like the hepatitis B, B vaccine that you have to take 30 days apart, uh, I'll be there taking mine. You won't see me signing a waiver. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Are you going to be one of those first in line for a COVID-19 vaccine? Do you think they're safe and efficacious? Do you believe in the in the published uh, research that demonstrates their effectiveness and safety? Does your local, state, and state bureaucracy put you at the top of the list as an EMS provider for receiving this vaccine. We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at EMS1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Civilero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week. Hey, this is Rob Lawrence, host of the EMS One Stop Podcast. If you're listening on the SoundCloud, just hang on for one second because I'm coming along with the next episode of whatever my topic is this week. Bye for now.